And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Mile High Green Cross. They'll get you 20% off your entire purchase when you sign up for their loyalty program. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. With me is our beat writer, Patrick Lyons. And for this very special episode, we have stand-up comedian uh, Brant Tobler making an appearance on the show, man. Uh, really excited uh, to have you around, to have some fun, to talk about your career, to talk about some sports, and to get ready for the draft tonight. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me. It's good to talk to people in real life. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I girlfriend hates sports, so I don't get to talk sports. So I've been looking forward to this all day long. What about Teddy, your dog Teddy? I mean, he's he's more of a sporting Teddy. guy. Yeah, he, he, he'll he sit on the couch with me and, and kind of watch. But he, he gets a little nervous when I start yelling at the TV. So <laughs> it's just me at the house watching sports, really. My dogs have learned specifically the sports yelling versus like actual yelling. Like they've figured out when I'm excited that someone hit a home run or made a big hit is different than like, you know, when the pizza guy is 30 minutes late or whatever. <laughs> like it's a different sound. Yeah, he's learning. He he's he's figuring it out. Uh so I, I did want to get into uh, how you became a Rockies fan first, but I actually want to start with something you were telling us about a little bit before we came on here. I think this is funny because you have actually been to the DNVR bar, and I have not. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, let me tell you about it. It is awesome. I, uh, I was so excited. It's about a mile and a half from my house, and I was so excited with everything you guys were doing. So I was like, I got to go check it out. And then I was going to go on the Friday night party. And then I ended up having shows. So we went, I think, Sunday afternoon. And, and it was it was pretty dead in there. Not by your guys' choice. But it's beautiful. It's, I'm, I'm so excited for sports to come back. And then uh, I'm definitely going to go up there. Because it's it's within walking distance. And there was plenty of, plenty of beverages. So I think it's going to be my home away from home. Yeah, yeah same. You're doing some of the mimosas there with your brunch, so that's a good way to start off your Sunday. Yeah, it was a good it was a good Sunday. We were watching because sports had already been canceled, so we were watching. I forget what we were watching. Some old something old, but it, it's it's just a cool uh, cool setup. So I'm excited for you guys. I, I hope uh, we need a good sports bar. Like I'm closer to Rhino, but there's just not a lot of sports bars around here without going down by the stadium. So uh, and I don't. I'm trying to stay. I used to live. A, a diagonal from Coors Field. I was on 20th and Blake. Like I could walk out my front door and throw a baseball and hit the stadium. So it, uh, I spent enough time in those bars. So I was really looking forward to making your guys' bar my new hangout. Uh, that'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that does sound nice. That sounds like a nice spot. But of course, I work there. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, oh, our guy, uh, Derek Strope. Strope is in the uh, is, is a local comedian. Yeah, very right? funny comedian, and my other neighbor. So he'll walk over there with me. 
Yeah. Got the comedian uh, DNVR Rocks podcast. So why don't you give us, and I'll have to ask him this story. We'll have to bring him on too. But your uh, origin story, as it were, how did you become a Colorado Rockies fan? So I grew up in in Cheyenne, Wyoming. So uh, I was like, I was a Braves fan because that was all we got, like on TBS growing up. So I like Dale Dude, Murphy. Same. <laughs> and then, uh, and I actually, my little league team was the Braves. So I was a Braves guy forever. And then, of course, um, I was a Bronco Nuggets guy. Well, not really Nuggets, but Broncos guy. And then, uh, and then when the Rockies came, it was just an easy transition. And and it was, you know, that's the first time I went to a live baseball game and. I just quickly became a Rockies fan. Yeah, so you, from you, from birth, basically. Then. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> from, the, from the Rockies' birth, I was from, same. Yeah, we talked about you you off air growing up in in Wyoming and and having never been to a Casper Ghosts game. Yeah, but you know you'd, you'd gone into to Denver a lot for Rockies games. What were some of those early memories? Because obviously Denver has changed a lot since you you know probably started going to the big city. Yeah. So, well, for me, it was just coming from Cheyenne. It was a big deal to get to come to Denver. And then, and it, and the original games I went to were at mile high. So as just a diehard Bronco fan, just, it just, even as a kid driving by mile high, I would freak out. So to actually go there and watch baseball was cool. And then of course, like the Blake street bombers and Bichette and Galraga and those guys were the beginning for me. Uh, and at the time back then I was still into like baseball cards and stuff. So I remember, I was getting Rockies baseball cards was a big thing. And then I would go to training camp. My family, my grandparents lived in Phoenix. So we'd go a lot of spring training. And uh, so then it just, you know, it's just, I love going to baseball. And then when I, I moved back from Los Angeles, like I said, I lived right across the street from Coors Field, which was crazy. So a lot of days I would just wake up and I'd walk out of my house and I'd be like, oh, I guess we'll just do lunch at Coors Field. And I just wow. got a, a, an outfield seat and a hot dog. And I was really spoiled these last two years. I, I just recently moved, but these last two years I was able to uh, just walk over anytime there was a game. So it, it really brought back my love for baseball. Because when I was in L.A., I didn't like it as much. I never, you know, I didn't really like the Dodgers or anything. So I kind of lost my baseball roots. And when I was a bookie and I was a bookie for a, a while in Vegas and uh, I hated, I would get killed when people bet baseball. So <laughs> I, I, I would actually win, but the frustration of baseball betting was so bad because uh, it, it was just, it, it just took longer to get the money because people love to bet like $3 favorites. And back when I was a bookie, it was like, Pedro Martinez and Randy Johnson days. So these guys would get buried and they'd owe me a bunch of money. And then they just bet one of these star pitchers and they'd always bail them out. So I got eventually, you know, those guys didn't win every game, but uh, at, during my bookie and gambling days, when I work, I, so I worked for a bunch of professional gamblers. I'm sorry. I'm all over the board here, but uh, when I, I worked for a bunch of professional gamblers in Vegas and we would bet on everything except for baseball because we could never beat baseball. So all right. <laughs> I would I would be a bookie during the summer just to make some more money, and then I just got tired of dealing with baseball stuff. That I kind of just got rid of baseball out of my life when I moved to Los Angeles, and then of course moving back here, it was a no brainer when I lived across the street. Yeah, wow. what, what, is the sports scene in LA? Is there really a sports scene? Because it, it just seems like this transient population where everyone's 
worried about something other than than professional sports. Yeah, everybody's worried about themselves. So <laughs> if you're not part of the teams, um, you know, Lakers. Of course, the Lakers are big there, but for me as a stand-up comedian, I always I so I when I lived in Vegas before I moved to LA, I liked the Lakers. I was a big Kobe guy, but as a stand-up comedian, when you move to LA, you kind of start to hate the Lakers because then it just ruins show nights. So if you're doing a show somewhere, either they don't want to go, or let's say you're doing a bar show or something, I'll never be as good as Kobe. Like the the crowd, they could care less how good my joke is. They want to watch the Lakers. So as far as that, it was, uh, you know, it's just the Lakers, but the Dodgers, when they were good, you know, people, you just go to the Dodgers game to be seen. And then I would go to a lot of Clippers games, but, they just don't have the energy. Uh, uh, the best Clipper team doesn't even compare to the worst Laker team, just the energy in Staples. It's weird. And then when I was there, there was no football. So it, it's just not a big sport. You know, it's, it, 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 it's not like here. That's what people, when I moved back here, as just a huge Denver sports fan, I'm like, we have all four teams. It's every single day I, I can sweat my teams, which is awesome. So that's one of the, the advantages of moving back here is I'm so much – more into sports again as a fan. The, <laughs> at least the traffic situation in LA isn't so bad. So you've got that trade off. <laughs> yeah. well, that really was, easy to get to the games. That was another thing. I mean, where I live, so I'm on 20th and Blake, I could walk to all three stadiums. So it was, yeah. you know, and I'd be sitting at Coors Field and people eighth inning be like, yeah, I got to leave to beat traffic. And I'm like, I got to, I'll go across the street if I want to grab a snack. It was so, I was so lucky to have that, uh, to, to be able to live there the first two years of coming back. And, and like I said, I, I just walked to each stadium. So it was perfect for me. So patch of black DFS just wanted to say, what's up? Brand's the best. Oh, that's so. my boy tone. Yeah. He's down in the Springs. He's a All big, right. he's he, the poor guy. He's got a, he's a, a lions fan. So he's probably not as excited. Well, I mean, he's got a top pick tonight, but it's gotta be hard being a lions fan. <laughs> Yeah, what's your what's your uh, you know any predictions for the NFL draft or what are your your thoughts about it? And obviously, it's the only live sports going on right now, so it's, yeah. it's a big deal. I'm super excited for it. Is the main thing. I just can't wait to watch. But as a huge Bronco fan, I'm just hoping we get a receiver. I uh, I mean, I'm I'm just like a, an, I'm like a little kid sports fan. Like I know we could use like offensive linemen and stuff, but I, I like the flash, so I want something where I can watch the highlights and be like, oh, this is going to be sweet. So I'll take either the Oklahoma lamb or either the Alabama receivers I'll be happy with. There you go. Oh, yeah. I'm the same way. Like, And it's funny because in baseball, the sport that I cover, I'm always like trying to tell people like not to think that way. And, of course, and in the sports I'm a fan of and just get to sit back, it's like I'm totally, yeah, like yeah. Another, number one receiver. I know the line could use some help. I don't care. Drew Locke's the future. Let's go, yeah. baby. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll see. Like I said, I'm just excited. I've been looking forward to between the the Bulls documentary and this draft from the start of April. It's been the two things I've really been looking forward to. So it's been a good week. <laughs> as little sports as we have, I feel spoiled this week, which is absurd to think what we'd really have right now <laughs> with baseball and NBA playoffs and draft. It would it was the perfect time of year, but. Um. What are we gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> what are what are we gonna do? I I imagine your pregame ritual for Broncos games has probably changed since you were, uh, you know, a teenager to now. So you know, what what did that evolution look like? Or you know, what what is a Sunday Broncos are home? What does that look like for Brant Tobler? 
Well, you know, growing up, we were playing right until game time. As a kid, you know, those are some of my fondest memories. Growing up in Wyoming, I lived in a great neighborhood that had a ton of kids. So we'd play right up until two, and then we'd all come in and watch, and then we'd play after. So I, I love that part because it was uh, – I didn't care about fantasy or any of that. But now as an adult, now my ritual is I'll wake up, watch a little fantasy, go to the stadium, tailgate, stare at my stupid phone checking my fantasy <laughs> – Lose a couple games of cornhole, drink a bunch of beer, and then go in the game and uh, and have a good time. But that's a you know when I moved back, that was one of the things I was like, I'm gonna try to get to as many games as I can. Unfortunately, right when I moved back, we we sucked, but I believe we're coming back. But these last two years have been well. Last year was got better, but that first year I was back, I was so excited to be back, and then um, it was just. A rough year, but yeah, no. Now it's just get to the get to the stadium and uh, and and hang out with my friends and just be around Bronco fans. And it's it's the stuff I really missed when I was away. So I I don't take it for granted now to to be at the stadium, whatever it's called this week. <laughs> <laughs> whatever they're gonna say, what called, but whatever that big stadium is, I love being there. Whatever they want to call it. Uh. Before we, you know, entirely dive into, you know, your, your stand-up comedy career, you obviously travel a lot, you know, for, for that. Have you gotten a chance to kind of piggyback a gig with, you know, going to a, a, an NFL uh, game or another sporting event? And how does, how does, you know, Empower Field at Mile High compare with, you know, a lot of the other stadiums in the U.S.? Yeah, definitely. That's one of the things, you know, I, I'm so envious of Bill Burr. Bill Burr's to the point where yeah. he's scheduling – Mm-hmm. tour around sporting events. And I always, the second I book a gig, I try to figure out if I can go to a stadium. So, you know, I've been fortunate to see a lot of, uh, a lot of great places. And I, you know what? I hate to say it as much as, I mean, I'm a diehard Broncos fan, but the stadium I like is where I have a lot of fun is Kansas city, mm. unfortunately, but they just do it right because they have the baseball stadium next to the football stadium. So there's so much room for tailgating and the barbecue is great. And like, so now mm-hmm. as a sports fan, I don't, I don't go to, I went to Green Bay last year. My girlfriend bought me that for my birthday, but I don't go to a lot of my team sporting events on the road. I go to like, like I've never gone to a Bronco Chiefs game. I just happen to be around. I go enjoy the environment, but I don't like being a road fan anymore. Like, uh, cause I'm too good at talking trash and I'm not tough. So it's bad. It's just a bad look, you know. And I have these fake teeth. I can't afford to get them knocked out. So I learned my lesson on like I love I love I watch my Bronco game, my road games on the home or at home. I'll try to go to one a year. But as sad as it is that I need to grow up and be more mature, I'm just bad. And like if I'm wearing my Bronco stuff and someone starts talking trash, that's unfortunately the one thing I'm good at. And then it usually gets bad because I. I can really rip somebody and then they, then they want to fight and I'm outnumbered. So I've, I've learned my lesson. <laughs> on that. But to answer your question, yeah, I've been fortunate enough to go, you know, Seattle has a good stadium. The chiefs one's fun. I, I've been to, I've been to, you know, like I go to Duke, I go to a Duke game every year in Cameron, which is a cool place. I, I've been to almost every stadium. Uh, Green Bay was the one I really wanted to go. That was the top of my bucket list, and I did that last year for the Bronco game. And then uh, Fenway is the only one I haven't gone to as as far as baseball that I really want to go to. 
I've been in the stadium, but there was no game, so I don't count that. But, like, I, I went and hit Yankee Stadium with, like, eight games left. I saw Yankees Red Sox at the old stadium. I've been to the new stadium. So I'm like every sports fan. I want to hit every baseball stadium. And baseball is better for me on the road because if, let's say, I'm in Cincinnati Thursday through Sunday, there's a chance I can catch a gig, whereas, you know, pro football, basketball, basketball is tougher because the games are at night. And I got to do my shows at night, but baseball has been good for me because there's nothing better than being in somewhere I don't want to be and catching like a sat, being able to look forward to a Saturday afternoon game to go see the Reds or something. <laughs> well, do you do you have a favorite of the baseball stadiums then that you've been to? Because this, like you said, I mean we've uh, I've tra- I haven't uh, maybe half. I'm close to half. I've been to a lot, and I've been to a decent number of minor leagues and then spring training ones. This is always a fun conversation to have. Yeah. You know, I like, uh, obviously the old Yankee stadium was really cool to go to. Yeah. I'm a big like nostalgia guy. And just like, whereas the new stadium, I didn't really like, uh, honestly, I actually fell asleep for in the eighth <laughs> inning of, uh, but it was a weird, it's a, I was trying to get a job with Barstool. It was a crazy week for me. So I was exhausted, but the new Yankee stadium, I didn't really like, but, I mean, I love Coors Field. I think Coors Field's great. I'm obviously biased, but I like Petco a lot. Uh, I mean, I understand the the his, history of Dodger Stadium. Actually, I actually enjoyed being at Dodger Stadium. Um, you know, as a kid, one of the first places I went was the Metrodome in Minnesota. So that was just, like, cool. Oh, yeah. yeah that's probably the first time I was in a dome, and that's when the Twins were good. So, And I like Seattle Stadium. I mean – to be honest, I, I'm not really picky as far as uh, I just love being at live sports. And, and, and you know, if I, I always say if I was rich and famous, I would just go to sports and concerts every every uh, every night because maybe it's just the closest thing to the adrenaline rush of like stand up is being in a in the energy of a, a live sporting event. So, I, I mean, I like them trying to think, like I said, Fenway is the only one I really want to go to in Camden. But other than that, I've been to almost all of the good ones, and I've been to most of the bad ones too. So, <laughs> but, you know, like Coors is like I'm I'm such a homer. Coors is, uh, and, and I just think it's great too. Honestly, <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty great ballpark. Yeah, so I'm I'm originally from New Jersey, so <laughs> going to the original Yankee Stadium was just it was all the time. It was just fantastic. But I'm curious if you've been to Wrigley. Yeah. Do you, what's your preference? If you had to go see 81 games in a season, would you rather see 81 in Wrigley or 81 in the original Yankee Stadium? Oh man, that's tough. Cause I've only, I only went to each of them once, but okay. we did, we knew how we knew the Wrigley experience. So we bought outfield tickets and just nice. got hammered in the sun. <laughs> it's, uh, so, and, and it, like we, I, I took my girlfriend at the time. We were so drunk. I remember we got we like broke up at like five o'clock in the afternoon, and I think we went to bed at like six because drinking in the outfield. So to be honest, it's a weird answer to this question, but it just depends where I'm at in life. If I was with my boys, I'd probably want to be out in the outfield in Wrigley. But if I'm like watching, if I have to be responsible, I would probably say I mean I'd probably say Yankee Stadium. Just just the what Yankee Stadium was, what I felt being there was so. So what we did, we bought at the time. So we bought these tickets off eBay for $500 a ticket, which was way more than we could afford with the intentions of selling those tickets. Cause they were, I think we were like 
eight or 10 rows behind home plate and it was Red Sox Yankees towards the like last 10 or 15 games there. So our intentions were we're going to buy these and then we'll resell them to kind of pay for our trip and we'll just get a ticket to be in Yankee Stadium. Then as it got closer, we like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity, man. We can make more money. Let's just take these great seats and enjoy, you know, we don't get any more chances. So we did that. I'm so glad we did. We had awesome seats. We, we were like maybe 10 feet away was uh, Tiger Woods and Lee Trevino and just the whole – we did that right, which we usually mess stuff up, me and my best friend Justin, who, who we go to all these games together. So as much as it, – it's like a 1A, 1B, but I think I guess I would say Yankees, and that might have just been the whole day was better than <laughs> what I remember. But I don't know, man, Wrigley, you know, Wrigley in the sun, drinking out there, I mean, we had a great time, man. It was, it was, it was a good time. Yeah, I, I, I should be biased towards Yankee, but in the moment, my I went there back to back years, and I, I saw Cubs Cardinals, and I thought, you know what? I would rather see eighty-one games at Wrigley. I wasn't yeah. in the sun. I, I had some covering. Yeah, yeah. But I just, I just thought the the neighborhood was a little more chill. You know, yeah. drinking at ten a.m. and having a sausage you know, super early in the morning was, it was just kind of this novel experience. So for me, it was like, Oh, you know what? I, I could kind of get used to this a little bit more. It's a little less grimy too, you know, yeah, than yeah. The Bronx, of course. Yeah, the outside around the stadium, I prefer Chicago, but yeah, I don't know. That's like a, I, that's something if you asked me tomorrow, I'd probably change my answer, but I'd love to have either option. <laughs> <laughs> there are Cubs fans at Wrigley. Got to keep that in mind. Always keep that in mind. Uh, so. Oh, low, low! Is it? Oh, come on, that was low hanging fruit. I had to take There's that. So, shot. so many Cubs fans out here when they come. I was gonna say it's it's not like Coors Field is is oh. empty. Yeah, I had a, I had a, I got into a pretty good argument with the Cubs fan. Like I was telling earlier, I felt much safer when I do it at home. But uh, I, I roasted this Cubs fan. He was so mad, and he he wanted to fight so bad. But I was with four dudes, and he was with his girlfriend, and he started the whole thing. But man, he. Uh, I, w- I I can't even tell the story because we I want to keep it clean, but it was. Uh, <laughs> but Rockies fans, when they come out here, give them a little. Don't don't let them off the hook. You know, nothing like hitting them with that bandwagon stuff. Man, they hate that so much. <laughs> well, uh, you, know, you you were a bookie, as you said, uh, and, and lived in Vegas for a while, and uh, you talked about watching something random at the DNVR bar. Is there a sport that you know? Because we don't know how society is going to come back. We don't really know what the first sport is. Is there any sport that, that you just, you would never bet on it. Like you just think it's, it's too outlandish that you would just kind of have no interest or is it, is it all fair play? Yeah. Well, you know what? I don't bet anymore. Um, because it's just a bad, I just don't want to lose my money and I understand (laughs) gambling both sides of it. You know, being a bookie, I understand, it's just not a winning game and I don't make enough money as a comedian to do it. Like I'll go when I'm doing shows or I'll do it for fun. But to be honest, I, there's nothing I wouldn't bet on. And when I worked for, so I worked for like some of the biggest professional gamblers in the world. And at the time we bet on everything. So, I mean, that's just our, just when you're a gambler, that's just all you do. So as absurd as it was, I mean, we'd go to my boss's son's like JV basketball game and just make lines and bet and, and just, <laughs> just, I mean, that's the thing. Winning money is so much better than earning money. So there's nothing I won't bet on. Uh, 
you know, I'll still bet with my friends on anything, anything absurd I like to bet on. But as far as just like full betting the board, like I used to and stuff, it's just like, I, I really, it, I, I just seen so many people around me lose all their money. And I, I really think gambling when it becomes legal is just going to crush people because if they make it so easy, you can do it on your phone. You're just going to, you know, the key to why I busted everybody when I was a bookie, I broke everybody, but I didn't break them as much as I could because they still had a conscience of calling me, you know, and being like, even at the point when I, I was a bookie, you want all the money, but I think they could just tell sometimes when I'd answer the phone, I just like, hello, like, come on, man, you don't. Whereas if it's on your phone, you could chase to a whole nother level or like, I mean, even a bookie will let you chase, but you know, like there's times in Vegas, I was betting way over my head and almost got myself in a lot of trouble, but I'd make that drive to the casino and, you know, 40% of the time I'd talk myself out of it and 60% I would just go for it. But with the, with the phone, you know, these lawyers and doctors and guys that think they're smart are going to you're going to get killed. There's going to be so many divorces. And that was the thing when I moved there, my bosses were like, it doesn't matter how many times you watch sports center. You don't know anything. And that's what I learned working for those guys. It's, it's just all, it's all numbers. You know, the guys I worked for, they'd simulate a game like 10 million times and it would shoot out. It was so above and beyond like a sports fan where I was just, I knew where every guy went to college basketball. I knew everything. I mean, I know a lot about sports back then, but that was the misleading thing is my knowledge for sports was way different than the knowledge you had to have for gambling. So learning all that by getting myself in some awful situations uh, made me respect how dangerous gambling is. And uh, so I still just do it for, you know, I, I bet so much lower level because if for me to get the rush of what I had, I'd have to bet everything I own, everything on these walls, everything my girlfriend has to get back to what I once felt gambling. Cause we were gambling that high that, you know, I, I was gambling the highest you could. Well, maybe that's a good jumping off point um, <laughs> to about, about stories that you could go on and on about, about, uh, and since it's very fitting that it's the NFL draft, uh, a certain kicker for the Indianapolis Colts, Mike Vanderjack, uh, <laughs> and just a random player. Uh, do you got any interesting guy. stories about that? Yeah. So <sighs> there's a comedy club in Florida. We went and did this awful comedy club in Florida. And um, like I said, I'm a huge Bronco fan and Peyton Manning had just came to Denver. So we went to this bar in uh, Marco Island, Florida. And when we, it was called Vandy's. And we had just finished shows and we came in. And as we came in, there was all this merchandise, or not merchandise, all this memorabilia. And I started putting the, you know, putting it together. I was like, oh, I bet this is Vanderjack's bar. And sure enough, it was. So we asked the guy, we go, hey, where's Vanderjack? Yeah, is this his bar? And they're like, yeah, I go, where's he at? And like, he doesn't come around because he, I guess he had sex with one of the waitresses in his bar and his wife caught him. <laughs> But then in this town of Marco Island, he, he got in trouble because uh, he was coaching, like, Little League football. And one of these, like, 10- or 11-year-old kids kept calling him wide right from when he missed, like, a, that huge field goal against the Steelers. So they were calling him wide right, and he, like, roughed up this kid and got in trouble. So everybody in this town is like, this guy's just a douche, right? So we're drinking, me and my, my buddy Jeff Dye, another funny comedian, and we're just getting drunk and – all I could remember is Peyton Manning had that when he got mad at Vander Jack at the Pro Bowl. Mm -hmm. He's like, "Oh, that's just our idiot kicker. He got all liquored up, and he uh, 
ran his mouth. Right. So me and my buddy Jeff are like, we should steal. We come up with a stupid idea. We should steal something out of Vanderjack's bar, and I'll, <laughs> and I'll give it to Peyton Manning, and then me and Peyton Manning will be friends. It's it's a stupid. <laughs> plan. That makes sense. I was gonna say. <laughs> so we're drinking fireball shots. We get wasted. So Jeff. You know, Jeff, I've gotten in and out of a lot of trouble in life. I'm bad. I just don't. I'm bad with rules and stuff. But Jeff's never been in trouble, so he loved like the idea of like doing something risky like this. So he walks around the whole bar, tries to find something that uh, would come off the wall, but everything's screwed in pretty good. So we're like, ah, forget it. So as we're walking out the front doors, there's two huge frame jerseys. One is Edron James Pro Bowl jersey, and one is Mike Vanderjack's Pro Bowl jersey from the time he was mouthing off about Peyton. They're hanging on the wall. So I just tap the bottom of them thinking, no way, thinking they've got to be screwed in the wall. They're just hanging on a string. So I'm like, oh, God, this is it. So we had met some girls that were at the show, and they were going to give us a ride back to where we were staying. So we were performing at this awful comedy club in a seafood restaurant. But the owner was like a rich guy, and he gave us a big, huge penthouse, probably like the best place I've ever stayed. So we're bringing these girls back to the penthouse, and we're like, hey, pull the car up. We'll be outside. So Jeff and I go in the bathroom. We gather ourselves. We run out. We grab the jerseys off the car, off the wall, run. They barely fit in this girl's car. We go to the penthouse, bust them out. We put them on. We pretend we're pro bowl jerseys. They're humongous. So like on the girls, they would go down to like their – their feet. They're, you don't realize how big these guys are, even like Vanderjack. So these jerseys are long like a dress. So we wear them the whole night and we're having fun, pretending like we're pro bowlers, spilling drinks on them. There's like glitter from the girls on them, whatever. The next day we wake up, we tell the comedy club people that we got them and everyone thinks it's so funny. But then the comedy club owner gets mad and he's like, you can't, you guys got to take them back. And, and we're like, why? It's just a prank or whatever. And he's like, you got to take them back. So we're like, okay. So we we busted them out of these frames. We messed up these frames pretty good. So then we put the jerseys back in the frames. We take them to Vandy's bar. We just set them on the outdoor patio and we just leave. So we're like, all right. So then that night, the, the comedy club owner's mad at us. We bomb. We bomb this whole weekend at this restaurant because it's all just old people in Florida, there's no reason to have a comedy club. So we're eating it every night. It's just an awful weekend. So the next night, we don't do anything. So our last night, we go out. We're looking to go out, try to meet some girls or do something. Every bar we go to is dead. We're like, where's everybody at? They're like, everybody's at Vandy's. It's Vandy Jack's birthday. And we're like, what? <laughs> we're like, well, let's go. And they're like, you can't go to Vanderjack's. You robbed his place. We're like, oh, we're go. <laughs> so we go back to Vanderjack's. We're like, we apologize or whatever. So we go to Vanderjack's. When we get there, he's gone. Everybody's pretty cool. But we start drinking again at Vanderjack's. And we get drunk enough where I'm like, you know what would be crazy is if we stole Vanderjack's jersey and then we brought it back and then we stole it. Again. <laughs> <laughs> we start looking all around for it. I find it in this back room. We leave the Edrin one alone. I just take the Vanderjack one, sneak out the back. We have it, right? So we go back to the house. We party again. We're taking – I have all these pictures on my phone in Vanderjack's jersey. So Jeff at the time shoots – he's shooting a prank show for MTV. So he has to wake up at like 5 in the morning, fly to New York City. And I was going to Naples to just hang out and then meet him in Raleigh, North Carolina to do shows like three or four days later. So then the, the, the next morning I wake up. Jeff's gone. I start getting these calls. They're like, hey, the police are looking for you. They know – 
you stole the jersey. And I'm on an island, so I didn't know what to do. So <laughs> Naples, and she drives over. There's only one way on the island. She comes, sneaks me off the island. I go hang out in Naples. So then Vanderjack, so then he starts calling us. <laughs> and I have these voicemails from him. He's like, hey, man, this is Vandy. Uh, I know what you guys did. You guys, he guys, he's like, you guys think you're slick, but there's cameras. I could see you steal them, you dummy, and all this. He's like, give me back my jerseys. He's mad about it, and we we're like, whatever. So we had, we did our shows in Raleigh, and we've been going back for the Vanderjack. We fly all the way back to L.A. We get to L.A. We're like, whatever. What are they going to do? Extradite us for a football jersey? It doesn't matter, you know. So then we're like, screw it. And I was like, I got to give this to Peyton. Peyton's going to be my friend. I really, at this point, thought maybe Peyton would be my friend. So then, but then all the lawyers got involved, and then his lawyers contacted our lawyers, and then um, they said it would be a felony because it was his game worn, one of a kind Pro Bowl jersey that they said would be valued at like twenty to twenty five thousand dollars. So if we didn't give it back, it would be a felony. So we had to send him three thousand dollars for the frames and send the jersey back to him so we wouldn't get in trouble. And then, so then, fast forward, <laughs> like. Years later, he was like signing autographs at the Phoenix Open, and all my drunk Wyoming buddies were down there partying, and they ran into him, and he's like, and they walked up to get an autograph, and he's signing autographs, and my buddy's like, uh, "Hey man, uh, Tobler and, and Jeff Dye say what's up," and he just like got pissed and just said, "You know what?" <laughs> and he, he cursed at him, and then just turned away and walked off. Quit signing autographs for the all the whole line. And <laughs> So he had moved to Phoenix, and then we. So me and Jeff were going down there to do to Phoenix, and we still had his phone number. So we text him like uh, a message saying, "Hey man, we just want to apologize for stealing your jersey. We're doing shows. If you want to come to the show, we'll leave you tickets and, and buy you some drinks." And he just uh, responded immediately, uh, "F you," and just. I mean, he, I don't want to curse, but he he wrote that, and we we're like, "Okay, I guess this Vanderjack thing's over." So. I uh, so that was our Vanderjack experience, which was a lot of fun. But I still, I was, I've been really close to Peyton, and I wanted to tell him this story. But I, you know, you guys know how. I mean, he's like the president. I was, yeah. I, I was special. I was backstage at the concert, all access, and he was there, and I could go anywhere I wanted. And I was like, this is my chance because I, we were, we were with the with Dirks Bentley, the singer, and even then, I still couldn't get to him. They ushered him off like it was, it was crazy how it's so hard to get to him. But eventually I just want to tell Peyton that story and tell him, Hey man, I was trying, I was trying to get some ransom for him mouthing off about you. <laughs> right. That story needs the third and final act. It yeah. Needs, yeah. Uh, yeah. I either need to meet Vanderjack in person or, or, or right. Peyton or, uh, but yeah, it was, it's it just, I live in this dream world. I'm like, I don't know who thinks like that. Like I'll just steal a jersey <laughs> and give it to Peyton. Like, and he'll, we'll be best friends. You know, we'll, uh, I'll be playing catch with him and his kids in the backyard. Is those are my fireball thoughts that night? But obviously, uh, it didn't happen. I think. Yes. I, I think. Yes. yes. I think the friendship that you're really missing out on, on is Jason Elam. I mean, he's just waiting for that call. I think he would. Oh yeah. That as well. <laughs> and that's how you get to Peyton. You know. Yeah. First Elam then Peyton. Well, you know what? I I have bad luck with Colts kickers because uh, I got into a McAfee before he was, you know, sports superstar McAfee. Uh, who I love now. I think he's great. And I, I, I love everything, all his content. But when he was still a punter, one day I tweeted, I just tweeted, uh, I don't care if my kid's a boy or a girl, whatever. I just don't want him to be a punter or a kicker. <laughs> or no, a, a kicker or no, a punter. 
And then he, out of nowhere, he must just search the word punter or something. <laughs> and then he fired four me. times a day. Fired <laughs> at me on on Twitter, like, why wouldn't you want to be a punter? Like, blah blah blah. And it was like a douchey thing about how he was like one of the top one percent best in the world. But then off the top of my head, I came back with the best comeback. I was like, well, you know what? If my kid's a punter, if he punts a lot, that means his team sucks. I don't want my kid to be on a sucky team, but I want him to be on a good team. But if he's on a good team, he'll never get a play. So that's how I spin zoned it into <laughs> not saying I didn't want to be a punter, but it's it's funny. Get off for my kid, dude. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, dang, I just have bad luck with Colts kickers, which I don't care about Vanderjack, but big man. So I explain that tweet to him and I apologize. Well, I'm sure he doesn't care now, now that he's in the comedy world but uh i was like man I, these colts they, they kill me which which is fine because vanderjack the first big bet i ever lost i had uh five thousand dollars on the colts to win the afc at three to one five thousand on them to win the super bowl at five to one and i lost that year when they when he did go wide right against the Steelers when they were like big, I bet that early in the season. And then they became this juggernaut that I thought for sure I was going to win. And then uh, they, they falter against the Steelers. Steelers fumble somehow when they're going in and then Vanderjack could have saved me. So in a weird way, I've always hated Vanderjack. So there was more to that story. The first time <laughs> I lost so much money when I, I, I had a chance to really have a huge come up was because of Vanderjack. All right, I'm going to cut this one off here. We got talking for quite a bit. Uh, I suppose it should be no surprise that a professional stand-up comedian can tell some stories. And boy, did we enjoy that Mike Vanderjack one. Hopefully you were drinking your Breck brews and having your Mile High Green Cross during that because that sure was a fun story. He's got plenty more of them. So... I do have to make this into a two-parter because uh, we went almost an hour and a half. Uh, the second part's going to be a little bit longer. We get into a bit more about his stand-up career, about his process, and uh, plenty more fun sports stories. <clears throat> you're not going to want to miss out. So thank you so much for listening into this one. Make sure you're supporting all of our fine sponsors. If it's within your means to head out to the farmhouse for Breck Brew to get some Bojo's, uh, again, the Breck Brew, the Mile High Green Cross, drink your Strava Craft coffee, and make sure that you are manscaped. It's the time to be fresh and clean out there. I've never smelt better in my life. That's right, I said smelt. I've never smelt better in all my life. I can promise you that. And it's the most comfortable pair of boxes I've ever had. TMI? Maybe. True? Yes. So, Thank you for listening into this episode with Brant Tobler. We'll be back with episode two, part two, I should say, of this episode very, very soon. In the meantime, thank you. Make sure you're following on all the social media. Make sure that you are subscribed to the DNVR.com. Remain absolutely awesome. I will remain absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.